Ideas matter. Ideas matter. This is Dialogue. Hello and welcome to Dialogue. French Minister for Europe and Foreign Affairs Catherine Colonna is in Beijing for a two-day visit, which many believe is aimed at smoothing relations among a European anti-subsidy probe into Chinese electrical vehicles. Is the EU resorting to protectionism against China, and what's the likely consequences on the bilateral relationship? Meanwhile, China is offering visa-free services for ordinary passport holders from European countries, including France, Germany, Italy, the Netherlands, Netherlands and Spain. How will that help bring the two sides closer as the EU is bent on de-risking from China? To help us answer these questions and more, I'm joined by Professor Liu Baocheng from the University of International Business and Economics, Philippe Lecour, Senior Fellow of the Asia Society Policy Institute's Center for China Analysis, and Professor Joe Toker from the American Graduate School in Paris. Welcome to Dialogue. Professor Toker, I will start with you. Uh, you know, as reported, uh, they say the minister's uh, mission to China or part of her task is to alleviate concerns on the Chinese side about uh, the, um, you know, reported uh, the anti-investigation, uh, anti-subsidy investigation in the European Union into the Chinese EVs in that market. Um, people say France uh, was behind uh, the drive to do the investigation. So is that, uh, you know, in what way? I mean, if that's true, in what way? her remarks or her trip will help alleviate the concerns on the Chinese side? Well, uh, as you, you know, things are gearing up um, towards next month uh, when a whole series of important meetings between EU leaders and Chinese leaders will take place. Um, and actually, um, Minister Colonna's visits um, today and yesterday in Beijing is sort of an aperitif, as the Europeans may say. It's starting the, high, the, the last stage, last phase of these um, uh, multi-contact. Yes, it is true that France had been, and President Macron himself, uh, have been at the heart of uh, some nuances that um, French foreign policy was trying to introduce on the level of the European Union regarding the overall diagnosis of relations between Europe and China. We're speaking about the pre-pandemic uh, pre period and during the pandemic period, uh, uh, and things have not been fully cleared up since. There are nuances, as we know, in the positions on different European countries as to how to handle, so to speak, the competition the presence and the ambitions of China's economy and China's diplomacy all around the world and in Europe. So I would say that regardless of past specific declarations of President Macron calling for uh, uh, caution and uh, reserves regarding China's behavior, I think we are in a new situation now, but the exact nature of this new situation has to be clarified, and this perhaps will take place over the series of meetings in December. Okay, uh, so we will talk about this macro relationship, you know, beyond China-France, it's about the China-European Union, 
uh, a bit late. Uh, obviously, this is also seen part of the preparation work for the upcoming summit uh, in early uh, December between China and the European Union. Uh, so, Professor, uh, you know, Professor Liu Baocheng, if you look at this uh, EVs, I mean, that's a part of the relationship between China and the European Union. The export of the Chinese EVs into the European Union market there. I mean, the acquisition has been uh, the subsidy. Um, but of course, on that, you know, many people have different opinions. Some would say subsidy uh, at the very beginning of a new industry is necessary. And of course, in this case, uh, you know, whether it's the solar panels or the EVs, it's necessary to develop quickly and provide, uh, you know, uh, quality, cheap uh, products to fight climate change. On the other hand, you know, you, if you look at the Chinese subsidies, uh, as far as I know, uh, China was done with subsidy at the end of last year. Is that the case? This is really a very perplexing issue because uh, over a larger context, the EU has been seeking very aggressively for green transition, uh, for which they really need more support of uh, the environmentally friendly vehicles. And uh, uh, China does really come to the aid, whereas the uh, surge of its manufacturing capacity and also the quality control, uh, which really fits for the uh, European drivers. And that is why uh, there has been such a uh, surge, and people may call it flooding, of uh, the Chinese vehicles in the European market. And so, therefore, if we look at on the liberal economic side, and this is a very good thing, but uh, on the other, uh, EU has been uh, shifting more of the attention to uh, the uh, level playing field and even to economic security. And uh, uh, the uh, trust level actually over the last few years has really nosedived. And uh, therefore, there has been a more hawkish attitude towards uh, one, uh, the trade imbalance issue with China. The other is the uh, Chinese business environment and also the aggressiveness of the uh, Chinese uh, the uh, economic drive towards uh, uh, Europe. So uh, this is the anti-subsidy uh, uh, probe is really taking place under such a situation. The other consideration is the tough competition in this area uh, because uh, the uh, Many of the European uh, traditional uh, uh, the uh, car makers, they uh, have the fear of getting loosed out under the new transition when Chinese aggressiveness is such a high level. So uh, in terms of the anti-subsidy probe, it is not really something very fresh uh, with China. Over the past 10 years, we have seen more than 400 of uh, anti-dumping the uh, investigations, and uh, uh, one third of them have really been uh, solved very amicably or uh, end up in, in a void situation. So uh, right now, I do not think the China really needs to be uh, very much uh, exaggerated in, that peer, uh, in this period. And uh, this probe is going to take more than one year and uh, through more of the enhanced dialogue and communication and to address the mutual benefit on each of the sides so that we can have a better alignment and find a more uh, amiable solution. So that's, I think, the right path that we need really to explore. Mm -hmm. uh, well, Mr. Logar, if you look at the European Union member countries' response to the uh, investigation, 
Uh, not every country uh, is for the investigation or for I mean, the practice of protectionism. Uh, for example, German businesses and German governments, they are not really on the same page with the French government. Uh, is that the case? You know, with that uh, uh, taking into consideration how far the investigation will go and um, are we expecting any kind of punitive measures there? Look, first let me say that I don't think this topic is the key uh, subject of uh, Minister Colonna's uh, visit to China. I think there's a, there's a dialogue, uh, there's a French-Chinese dialogue going on uh, that is uh, at three levels, diplomatic, economic and, and uh, people to people. So this is actually quite good news that, that you know, the dialogue is going on. Um, as far as the trade uh, issue is concerned, let me remind you that the, the trade deficits uh, between China and the European Union has been multiplied by 10 for the past uh, 20 years. And that, you know, every single EU country, I think there's one exception that's Ireland this year, is, is facing a huge trade deficit with China. And therefore, you know, we, I mean, the Europeans and the European Union, that's their job, in fact, not just individual governments, but the European Commission. It's their job to preserve EU jobs and EU industries. And you referred earlier uh, to um, solar energy. Uh, we could also uh, discuss telecommunications, for example, uh, about 10 or 15 years ago, when you had heavily subsidized Chinese brands that came into the, the European market and basically led to, you know, European companies facing, you know, um, huge difficulties, if not closing down. Now, of course, there were other reasons for that. But I think, you know, my, my overall message would be that, you know, the um, Europeans need to protect their industries. It's, it's not protectionism uh, per se. I mean, everybody is doing protectionism, if you want. I mean, China, the United States. But in the case of the EU, facing a very complex geopolitical environment um, and economic environment, uh, I think protecting um, the car industry is, uh, is critical at the moment. And I think that's, that's the idea behind um, the, uh, the EV um, uh, situation. But I don't think it's a major issue. Um, uh, I think there are other things going on, uh, especially in the run-up to this um, EU-China meeting in December. Um, and, and I think, you know, uh, we need to find ways to collaborate rather than, you know, uh, confront each other. Mm -hmm. oh, well said, of course, the collaboration, cooperation. I think that's um, still the key words from both sides, you know, when it come to, comes to the China-EU relationship there. But you mentioned, uh, Mr. Lagoga mentioned about this, uh, the, the imbalance of trade between the two countries. Uh, are you saying that uh, the European countries are exporting less to the China market? Uh, than say, you know, China probably exporting more to the European market, so there's imbalance in terms of trade. Uh, does that also concern uh, investment? Yes, well, you know, the situation is really not very good, I mean, between the two sides. And I think uh, the, 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 the issue of level playing field is critical. And of course, there, there's a drop in foreign direct investments in China. That includes European companies, I'm afraid. And there's also a drop in Europe, in Chinese investments in Europe. Um, in terms of trade, I think um, it's also, uh, uh, it's mainly Europeans uh, exporting less. Um, the, the three years of uh, COVID pandemic have also perhaps um, um, helped Chinese products to, to sell more in Europe. 
for some reasons. I mean, obviously there were, you know, there are various reasons for that, but um, now we, we need to get back on track. But unfortunately, the data show that the um, deficits are increasing rather than decreasing. Uh, and that it, it may have to do with the Chinese consumer market, uh, the fact that the less Chinese tourists have traveled and that um, uh, maybe um, Chinese consumers are less keen on, 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 on you know, um, European products. I don't know. There are all kinds of reasons. But um, uh, the, the situation is that, you know, from an official point of view, you have to look at ways to uh, narrow this gap. And, um, and, and also to protect, as I said, um, European um, uh, brands and, and um, technologies as well as industries. Kinto, mm -hmm. uh, well, uh, let me add one point yeah. over the trading balance issue. Uh, I think one reason is because of the, uh, over the last more than 30 years, there's been uh, a dramatic shift of the European industries into the East, particularly uh, they uh, get flocked into China. And when more of the uh, foreign direct investment end up in China, China turned out to be their exporters. As a matter of fact, if you look at the e-vehicles, it is really more of the joint venture uh, car makers and particularly participated by the European investors. And they are really the uh, taking the mainstream of exportation to uh, Europe. And uh, the fact that the China market has been so much attractive, for example, Volkswagen takes uh, nearly 40% of the Chinese entire market share. And that also caused a resentment from the uh, competitors within the uh, Chinese uh, uh, car industries. Uh, however, uh, Chinese uh, government maintains that uh, there has to be a more uh, equitable uh, competition between uh, them. And uh, uh, the other issue, China is buying less because of the pandemic and uh, uh, the luxuries uh, are really having a very tough uh, sales in China. And so that's uh, also very obvious through my research uh, uh, with the trade relationship in, uh, uh, in France in, in particular. Mm -hmm. And uh, the other issue is that uh, the, uh, uh, despite of the some of the de-risking efforts, if not de uh, decoupling, many of the European uh, business leaders still see that uh, the uh, growing Chinese consumption power and also the uh, growing support of uh, mega industries uh, in China, for example, in the petrochemical area. And uh, uh, these are really uh, the permanent, actually, uh, the uh, unresistible the uh, attraction to uh, them to really make further investment into China. Mm -hmm. uh, well, of course, you know, along with, uh, you know, talk of trade and uh, economic relationship, there's a people to people. Uh, Professor uh, Toker, obviously, um, we are preparing for the 60th anniversary uh, of the relationship between China and uh, France. Uh, and on this day, actually, uh, the Chinese Foreign Ministry announced this uh, uh, free visa uh, entry of citizens from uh, uh, five European countries, including France, for 15 days, you know, starting from December the 1st. Uh, so we are talking about, you know, trade imbalance. Uh, are we expecting any, for example, uh, welcome more Chinese tourists to, to France, for example? That will help probably reduce a bit of, uh, of imbalance there. Yes, yes, indeed, on both sides. 
but we know that on both sides, actually, and away from the uh, specific French case, tourism is down uh, uh, between China and, uh, uh, and the Western world. Uh, since the pandemic, I mean, the figures have never reached the, the level uh, 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 which, was, uh, which was valid before the pandemic. Uh, but, you know, uh, having heard my partners to the conversation and this uh, recent question about actually uh, facilitating tourism uh, through bureaucratic uh, easing on procedures, which is a good thing for all, all possible reasons, we shouldn't forget, after all, the major macro reasons which are necessary for any decoding of the situation. Let it be on people to people, let it be on cultural issues, let it be on tourism, let it be on uh, uh, batteries for EVs, for electric uh, vehicles. Uh, and the overall macro world situation is so much more rigid now than two years ago, five years ago, eight years ago. We speak about a war in Ukraine, we speak uh, uh, over the last few weeks and a war in the Middle East with serious dangers of uh, expanding elsewhere. China is playing a more important role uh, in the Middle Eastern con uh, uh, context and China could, can play an even more important role in the Russian-Ukrainian context. So these things do contract overall international affairs and mainly when it comes to relations between the West and China. Sure enough, there are so many nuances between EU members among themselves, between them and the United States, the major ally. But still, beyond those nuances, those permanent right now are, are factors of the present moment do influence in a very significant way, including issues which come down all the way to specific branches of commerce or trade or industry or development. Mm -hmm. Well, speak of this um, macro or geopolitical issue, um, Mr. Lagarde, you know, recently we see, uh, you know, the Chinese uh, President Xi Jinping and his U.S. counterpart Joe Biden, the summit meeting in San Francisco, and uh, we do see there are several deliverables out of that summit and people are watching you know the warming up of the relationship probably the most important in the world and of course uh, the u.s being parts of the west will that in any way impact or help stabilize relationship between beijing and brussels so um the european union uh, has its own policy uh, foreign policy and um, it has its own terms in fact the term um, de-risking actually was first uh, pronounced by uh, president uh, ursula von der leyen uh, president of the european commission and it was picked up by some uh, american officials now that's true um, there is a word that uh, uh, the high representative uh, for the EU, uh, Joseph Borrell, also used describing the um, China-EU relationship, which he said, conflictual interdependence. So there are different definitions. I mean, these are all wordings, but it, it, it also, you know, describes things in a not so smooth way, I suppose. Uh, except that people do not want to use the word decoupling. That's pretty much uh, uh, assumed by everyone, including for, by the United States. But to respond to your question more directly, um, uh, 
I would say that, um, yes, the, the EU-China summit in December will be important. There hasn't been one for a long time. And you may recall that the last one, in, uh, which was a virtual one, uh, wasn't very successful because it was just after the start of the war in Ukraine, uh, launched by Russia. And of course, the, the, the European side was trying to get you know, some, some support from the Chinese side. So this, this summit in December, of course, is a little bit different because the atmosphere is slightly uh, better, even though the war in Ukraine is still going on. Um, and as far as the US-China relationship and its impact on the uh, uh, European situation, well, of course, there is a EU-US dialogue also on different issues. There's, a, there's even a trade and technology council. Um, but I think the Europeans want to have their own policy when it comes to international affairs, particularly when it comes to, you know, uh, Ukraine, but also the Middle East. Um, and, I, I, and, and that's, that's the idea that President Macron particularly has tried, tried to put forward when he visited uh, China in April. Um, so the other problem, of course, is, um, you know, a year from now, there'll be a U.S. Uh, presidential election and we don't know who's going to be, become the U.S. president. There might be some changes. But I would say the relationship between the Biden administration and the European Union at the moment is pretty smooth and we are more or less on the same line with some nuances, perhaps. But generally, the relationship is quite good. Mm -hmm. uh, well, uh, obviously, both sides have their own concerns. You know, for uh, we talked about the U.S. EU concerns about China. You know, that's why they choose to de-risk uh, that kind of policy on China. And uh, let's take a look at the Chinese, uh, you know, concerns. Uh, here is a Chinese ambassador to the European Union, Fu Tsong, uh, which uh, who delivered a keynote speech recently at the 11th China Europe Forum. Uh, on Thursday, actually, here's what uh, he said about the relationship between the two sides. Uh, let's take a look. For China and the EU, there is no fundamental conflict of interest between us, either geopolitically or economically. We stand to gain from each other's development. Our common interests far outweigh our differences, and there are more areas of cooperation than than competition between us. China and Europe are first and foremost partners. Given the differences in China, between China and Europe in, in terms of history, culture, ideology, and the development stage, it is only natural that we see many things differently. But that does not make us rivals, systemic or otherwise. We must not allow our differences to affect our cooperation, still less allow them to dominate or define our relationship. Uh, well, Paul Chen, obviously, Ambassador Fu is concerned with, uh, you know, whether there will be a trend or the practice that, you know, differences between the two sides uh, or, you know, terms like rivals, systematic rivals uh, uh, being used to define or to uh, describe or even sometimes, you know, to a degree of defining the relationship there. Uh, what do you make of that and how big a concern is it for the Chinese side? Uh, the difference in uh, ideology has been always uh, there. Uh, and, uh, uh, the uh, EU has been also uh, considered themselves as a defender of uh, democratic values and promotion of like-minded alliances. And uh, uh, 
China uh, promotes its own characteristics. They have their own definition of fair and equitable uh, relationship, etc. Uh, but uh, China, uh, in, in many parts of Europe, is named the authoritarian regime, and that is the uh, the def uh, 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 pushing uh, for the definition of the uh, systematic rival. And uh, uh, you, the uh, China takes a more pragmatic approach, and uh, in, in terms of the uh, mutual benefits, in terms of the uh, uh, the uh, economic interdependence uh, with each other. And uh, now uh, the issue is that uh, uh, whether China is, uh, you know, meeting the acquisition uh, from uh, the uh, global uh, alliances of democracies that uh, we are really uh, playing uh, without the rules. So value-driven and also the rule-based one is something they'll be uh, the promoting and that's uh, there's uh, some complaints over China but uh, uh, on the other hand uh, China is also seeking uh, actually uh, a common ground within this area and uh, we are also pre uh, playing a very pragmatic and also proactive policy uh, towards working with uh, EU and uh, uh, now I think the the key part is still the uh, cooperation because there is a uh, a large room uh, and large potential for both of us really to tap into, um, particularly now when we are facing the energy transition and digital transition. And uh, we are also, you know, the uh, uh, great partners in, ma uh, in many of the research and development programs. But now I think the one uncertainty that is, uh, or ambiguity that lies uh, uh, in terms of trust building is China's attitude towards major geopolitical uh, crisis, uh, you know, uh, over the uh, Ukraine issues, over the uh, Gaza issues. So uh, I think now uh, the, uh, the slew of visits from uh, Europe into China and also uh, more of the engagement on uh, each other, I think is we are going to clarify a mm -hmm. number of uh, different concerns and different attitudes and also more of the realistic interest calculation on uh, each of the side. So uh, based on assumption, based on uh, speculation, and uh, those decisions can really lead to fantasy and even confrontation. Mm -hmm. uh, Mr. Logal, uh, I, I wonder, you so do you agree with uh, you know Bolton that uh, the I mean that's the major theme or the major part of the relationship is still focusing on cooperation or coordination on major issues, like the minister uh, uh, said and herself, you know, she talked about uh, China-France jointly uh, address the issues like uh, climate change, biodiversity, or crisis like in Gaza. Yeah, so obviously uh, there are easier areas to cooperate than others. Uh, I think climate change and biodiversity are kind of obvious ones, even though uh, we know that it's complicated. In some Chinese provinces, for example, it's difficult to, to um, catch the trend of, of, uh, of uh, you know, um, uh, the struggle between uh, productivity and, and fighting against uh, climate change. Um, in fact, you know, there are many countries, not just China, but this isn't a big issue. Well, with that, we come to the end of today's show. Many thanks to our guests. You can also find us on the CGTN app on YouTube. Thank you for being with us. I'm Xu Qinduo. See you next time. <laughs>